And we are back, Chelsea fans. Yes, surprisingly, we're back for once during an international break. Uh, thanks to Andres for that one, putting a, a little bit of peer pressure on me earlier today. So uh, this damn week, right. Yeah, damn right is right. Uh, this week, we're bringing back uh, our good friend of the podcast, uh, Bobby Meinhold. Bobby, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are y'all? We are great. And uh, in case y'all didn't notice, uh, Bobby's from Houston, too. Uh, right, Bobby? Yeah, I am. I live in New York, though, so oh, long yeah, way from home. A little closer to London. Yeah. So <laughs> this week, special episode. Obviously, it's international break. There really isn't much to talk about um, unless you go to Chelsea Twitter and join in on all the fun drama that's been going down there this week. Um, but we thought we would do something different. Since our Twitter questions and our uh, Twitter followers have been uh, very immersive the last few months, we thought that we'd do a podcast strictly run by our followers. So uh, all Twitter questions today on the lineup, a few people that uh, might sound familiar, a couple rep ultras, and uh, and a couple people that might not sound so familiar. So first things first, uh, Andres, I know you put this question first, and I, before <laughs> you ask it... I, Let's talk about the reasoning. Are you just trolling us by asking us this first or what? I mean, I think Chelsea Eric is definitely just trying to start this pod with a little bit of banter. And I'll just get right into it. He goes, do you guys think that Hazard's having a hard time finding form in Madrid? Or I can't even talk. Do you think Hazard having a hard time finding form in Madrid is due to the lack of him being surrounded by top players at Chelsea? <laughs> so yeah a little bit of background here if you guys have been sleeping under a rock on paper real madrid's team is far better or should be better than chelsea's they are top of the table as a, as a collective but not until recently did hazard uh, get involved with goals he just wasn't getting as many touches so I just want to ask, guys, like, what do you think, banter, banter or not a side up to you, what do you think is the reason Hazard hasn't found his form yet at Real Madrid? Ooh, this is an interesting one. Okay, so the the, the whole top player thing, that's kind of nonsense. Um, I think I think something that Hazard's suffering from, It's I don't think it's necessarily the pressure at Madrid. I just don't think he has a top manager. Like, yeah, I, I said it. I don't think Zidane is a top manager. He's he won back to back to back Champions Leagues, but that team literally had no tactical flexibility, and they weren't. And they were actually they were only strictly set up to service Ronaldo in the box. You take Ronaldo out of that equation, you put someone like Hazard of Hazard's caliber in virtually the same system with the same midfield, pretty much the same back line, and what do you get? You don't really get much. Um, you know, Hazard Hazard likes to tuck in. He likes to play on the inside. And unfortunately for him, he can't leap out of the room like Cristiano. And he also can't score 50 goals a season like Cristiano. So I think that's what they're suffering from. Um, I don't think Zidane has done him any favors. I don't think playing Tony Cruz and Luka Modric game after game after game is helping the situation at all. I, th- I, I, I think they need to just bring in a new blood. They need to rip a page out of Chelsea's book, as funny as it sounds. Throw on the kids. Get all the young players on. Real Madrid has a fantastic academy. And, like, I'm not just talking in, in, in FIFA sense because, like, all their players have, like, over 85 potential in their academy in FIFA. But that's beside the point. 
they need to throw on the kids, play some of those young players, some of that new blood. You know, I'm, I'm, it's gotten to the point where, dare I say it, I know my fiance will hate me because she's a Madrid fan, but they've gotten kind of boring to watch because they're not very mobile. They're not very athletic. They're very one-dimensional. They seem to play vertical football, which is uh, I, I, I bland. I, there's no really other way to say it, but you know, I, I just think it's, I don't think it's, I don't think Zidane's been doing him any favors, and I think you know, he he's always had top managers by his side. He had he had Antonio Conte, he had Jose Mourinho, you know, uh, top top managers with all this experience in different leagues who who set their teams up in multiple ways as well, which is something that needs to be noted here. I don't think it's a coincidence he's suffering at Madrid, but. Bobby, I'm curious to see, like, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you with what you said about what you said about Zidane. Um, I think a, a good comparison, uh, and this isn't very nice, but a good comparison for Zidane would be like Jim Harbaugh, the Michigan Wolverines head coach. Um, he kind of just has a lot of talent and isn't doing a lot with it, and I'm not really surprised. Like you mentioned. The managers that that uh, Hazard has played for before, and they're kind of tinkerers. Like they do different things. They have like you know set tactics, and they like to mess with things. And I don't really like see Zidane as like an intellectual in that kind of sense. Like he doesn't seem like someone that's gonna like tinker with little things. It's kind of just like rallying the troops and like oh like you know let's go out there and like you know just beat them because we're better. And, like, you should be good because you play for Real Madrid. Like, not because I'm going to put you in a position to succeed, but because you should be good because, you know, you play for Madrid. Like, it just doesn't seem like there's much to him. So I don't know that it has as – I mean, and, and, of course, like, he has to get used to it. I saw a quote that said something along the lines of uh, of he does he's not a Galactico yet. Like, I, I don't remember the quote. It was like – I think Hazard said, like, I'm not a Galactico yet. I have to show I can be one. So I think the pressure's there a little bit with him. I think he feels a li- feels it a little bit. But I don't know that – I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I feel like it's more more Zidane and, like, him trying to fit into a team that doesn't really have, like, an identity. Like, it sounds stupid because they they're in first. They really but they don't. don't really have an identity. It's just kind of like – it's just kind of like, eh, we're a bunch of really talented players playing together in a league that – is good, but I mean they're arguably the most talented team in it, so that can take them a long way. And a bulk of that, and like the biggest chunk of that squad was built years and years and years in the making, strictly to service Cristiano. Yeah. And and you know like a lot of people are saying, and it's a huge debate. I kind of agree with it actually, where you know Zidane was able to maximize Ronaldo's output, but. You know, now that Ronaldo's gone, we've taken a, we've taken a step back and looked at it and been like, no, actually, Cristiano's just that good. I don't yeah. think it. I don't think it's Zidane making him, you know, the best player in the world. I just think he is. But Andres, what do you think? Yeah, man, uh, I think it's a little bit of both. I think Zidane just kind of thinks, okay, this is what worked for me the last seasons. I had success here, so I'm just gonna keep putting it out there. But also, I just don't think that Modric and Kroos have aged gracefully. And Casemiro just can't do it all by himself. So Casemiro in, in, kind of can't play football. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I, 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 I don't see all the hype. I mean, he's just a bulldog. He's kind of like 
just the angry guy that tackles. Like he is what people think Conte is when they say like, oh, he's only a DM. Like he's like he's like a Dollar Tree version of Arturo Vidal. I was gonna go for him next. Yeah. So yeah. Casemiro scores the occasional screamer or like header, but yeah, he's not gonna give you seven goals a season. But I don't think he can do it by himself. Kroos, yes, he's very good at passing, but outside of that, he is slow, slow as molasses. So he, I, recently they've been kind of doing the Valverde the, and Casemiro kind of double pivot, but it's a 4-3-3, and then they'll bring Hamas to play the number 10, and that's helped a little bit more. But even then, like the way Madrid has been playing, it's it just feels like they're not looking – for Hazard out wide, like you like you just talked about, they're they're used to playing these crosses in instead of maybe like finding Hazard early and letting him do what he's good at. Like I I know Hazard scored a nice goal not too long ago, but I have yet to see him go on these darting runs like he did at Chelsea, and that's because the ball's not getting to him early enough. Like at Chelsea, he was getting the ball maybe ten yards from the halfway line, and then it's like all right, do your thing. I feel like he's getting the ball at Madrid like right outside the box where the defense is extremely compact and then there's just nothing for him to do at that point. Like the point of Hazard is to stretch the defense and then make them all look foolish. So as much as Zidane wanted Hazard, he has no idea how to use him. Ah, it's an interesting one. It, does it? I want to follow up that question by asking you guys a question. I mean, this is something I've been very conflicted in my mind with. I mean, obviously, I still wish he would do well. But at the same time, you know the second Hazard starts playing well for that team, all the other talent is going to be maximized. Because that's just what Hazard does. He makes the players around him a million times better than they actually are. And, uh, and you know, once he gets going, I, I think Madrid could be ridiculous. But I don't think that's going to happen with Zidane there. No. Maybe Poch? Yeah. That's what I... I- I would that's love to see Poch in a team with that's willing to spend money. That would as be a, fun to watch. As a Chelsea fan, I know it's blasphemy, but I'm really curious to see what Pochettino could do with a fat budget. Yeah, I think it would be fun to watch. Yeah, I don't know. I would love for Spurs to lose a manager and have him be wildly successful elsewhere. That would be great. That would be great. And as <laughs> soon as Zidane gets out, the faster these N'Golo Conte rumors could go away too. Mm-hmm. God, that's terrifying. I think we all knew Hazard was going to leave at some point, like in the back of our minds, but I never, never once even thought about N'Golo Conte leaving. I'm too scared to. I want to use that, what you just said as a little transition, because I swear this week people are losing their mind because Conte like might have gotten slightly injured. Apparently Uh he trained. But no, people are already like ready to sell Conte just because – He's (laughs) He's <laughs> 28 and has picked up a couple of injuries. Like, are you uh, kidding me? Like, Conte's, Conte's just the guy. The he's just the guy that, like, wants to always play. And if the coach is telling him to play, he's not going to say no. So I, I'm blaming the coaching, not Conte's physical level. And also, Conte's good enough to where he doesn't need to have this unlimited engine battery to be a good player. So people need to just... Chill down, chill out. Like we're not going to sell Conte. He's still going to be very important for the next like three, four seasons. So yeah, I, I've just found those comments extremely ridiculous. 
okay, Roman's vision is to play like this beautiful fluorescent, you know, football, right? To be Barcelona-esque, like peak Barcelona-esque. That's always been his vision from day one. That is impossible without N'Golo Conte in the team. And then we, we said this so many times on the podcast last year. And Andres, you could attest to this too, because I think me, you, and Sam have made this point throughout last season. Our best player was Hazard. But our most important player was N'Golo Conte. And he has been since he came to the club. So, I mean, we see the difference already when he came back, the, the difference in the way the team's playing from when he came back from injury and, you know, how poor we were at the beginning of the season and how we are now, just how much we've improved. And he's still not even playing in his quote-unquote natural position. Like, he's by far the best box-to-box mid in the world. Probably one of the best I've ever seen, but I don't know. I just, I, I can't imagine Chelsea without him now, and it's it's terrifying. Not a world I want to live in. No, but but do we think it's an actual possibility? I mean, we're not insiders or anything, but honest opinion. I mean, anything's a possibility with enough money getting thrown around. I mean, like, if if somebody... I, mean, I, I saw the one that I've seen the most, like, $70 million. Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's asinine. Like, I, I... No way, no way his transfer fee is the same as Murata's. I can't believe that. <laughs> like, and he's on a better I, contract. Like, that's a, yeah. third of the, that's a third of the price that I would even consider. Yeah, he is, he is, I mean, in my opinion, the best player at his position in the world. And certainly, arguably, to anybody else. Um, so, seventy million is is ridiculous. It would have to be, I mean, it would have to be a huge transfer, I think, to to pull him out. Or he would have to voice displeasure, which does not seem like his personality in the slightest. He's been extremely pleased at Chelsea. Like all he's yeah. done since he arrived is talked about how amazing it's been. So, yeah, for those people that think that selling Conte is smart or the right move, yeah, get out of here. No. No. Sell way. Conte by Neymar. Fuck God, off. No. Please no. Shit. I don't think I don't think anything has irritated me more on football Twitter probably since like the beginning of the Jorginho hate last season. Nothing is nothing has pissed me off more than this Neymar talk. Like straight up. I I cannot stand the guy. He's yeah. he's a he's a cancer. He's like Carmelo Anthony football form. I like he gets the movie once and he comp- and he wants to leave right away like immediately. I'm not happy here. Mbappe's not good enough. I hate winning every single game every single season and winning every single trophy. Boo fucking who? <laughs> you left Barcelona. That was your choice. Yeah, and and people also forget that the guy misses like three months a year in the most important part of the season. Talk about injury, like clockwork, dude. Like early spring, he gets hurt. He hurt himself a couple days ago, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. He he's out again for at least four weeks. So (laughs) it's one of those things where like, is Neymar a really good player? Yeah, he definitely is. But do you bring him into where he's going to make everything about him when right now everything has been so positive, uh, so positive and so team oriented? Like it just doesn't seem like the direction we're trying to go to. But we'll get to transfers in a little bit. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the international break. Our boy, Ron, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Deluxe, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Cool, is on vacation. But he still finds time to send us some pretty good questions. So he starts off and asks, 
can we place a ban on our players joining their international squads during the season? I know it's a pipe dream, but fuck, man, we always get hurt. So, yeah, guys, this is uh, looking like an emergency room more than the so- football team. So, how are you guys feeling about this? Uh, I think it, uh, you, you go, go, go for it. Go for it. Um, I think that uh, that this is an issue I've had with with uh, with lamps a little bit, it, and it's not even like a Pulisic thing. Like take Pulisic out of the equation. Uh, we our squad rotation has been bad. Uh, there was a stretch. I forgot the three matches, but there were there was a three match stretch where we essentially played the same starting eleven three matches in a row, um, and especially with young players, like they're just not used to it yet. And like playing that many games in a row, and then you have old. You had people coming into the season with injuries, uh, and you're playing them like just like rotate the squad. You have to rotate the squad, especially when we're playing like league cup games and like it's just it's been so rough like even in sub appearances and stuff like maybe take people off a little earlier if the game's in hand and get somebody in that hasn't played a lot it just i feel like squad rotation could really help ease ease the pain of of because i know they got injured obviously on the international break but it has to be a carryover effect from playing so many minutes during the season i i don't know i think frank's done a decent job rotating but then again, I mean, we also talk like the beginning of the season. I, I'm pretty sure I think it was Tammy that said, you know, at first the players hated training with Frank because all he did, all he made them do was run. But what makes this year specifically any different than, you know, Conte's reign or any of the Mourinho reigns? Like guys that historically are known to run their players to the ground. You know, if, for me, there's really no excuse. Like, I think there's something deeper here where, you know, Callum Hudson-Odoi pops his Achilles off and walks about 120 yards around the pitch to the dressing room. Loftus-Cheek popping his Achilles as well. You know, we, we got – we get Rudiger's mysterious injury. Who Who knows what it is? You know, he tweaks his knee, and then all of a sudden he has an underlying groin issue. And now we're seeing the same thing with N'Golo Conte. Kovacic is in and out. I, uh, now it's Emerson. We've just been very unfortunate, but it's not – you can't chalk it off to just that. It, there's just – I don't remember having this many injuries when uh, in Mourinho's second stint before the whole Eva thing. I don't remember having this many injuries and we were still competing in four competitions and the squad was getting rotated less. We were actually an older squad all the way around. It's, 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 it's kind of confusing. For, for me, I think it actually comes back before Lampard. I think this goes back to, to Maurizio Sarri's issues with rotation. You have to think that N'Golo Conte played almost every minute. Jordan. Almost. Yeah. Jorginho has been lucky. Well, he his role's different, right? His role's more on the ball. At least it was under sorry. But you you th- talk about the guys that are injured. You had Rudiger and uh Rudiger and Conte, the most probably the two most used players under sorry. They're both kind of gone. Ru- uh, Loftus Cheek's injury, we can probably blame the pitch conditions of that charity match. Because that field was disgusting. Um, yeah, way to go, New England. Way to go, Chelsea, for putting a charity match in the middle of the season. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but 
I don't think it has to do with Lampard or, or, or that sort of thing. Like I said, I think it goes back to the fact that last season we played, honestly, we made it deep in every competition and sorry, used 14 players. So the guys that are injured today are some of those guys that were part of those 14. So, or not just that, they're also extremely important in their national team setups. So it's one of those things where like, even when they could have gotten a break, they were playing international football. So uh, I kind of see this as the same thing that happened to Oscar when he first joined us. He came from like the Olympics to a season with Chelsea to then the Copa America to another season with Chelsea to then the World Cup. It's like these guys are human. At, at one point, they're going to need a break. And unfortunately for these guys who are injured for us, they just haven't had the chance to do that, whether it's by choice or by their own perhaps slight ego of always wanting to play. But yeah, I think it's just overall exhaustion dating back to last season. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, it just doesn't rub me the right way. For me, it's it's more. I, I, I don't think – I'm not going to bash a medical staff because I don't really know. But it's just it, – it seems very odd. And, you know, I guess I, I'm a Laker fan, right? We had an athletic trainer, Gary Vitti, who was our athletic trainer for – since we were at the Forum, you know, years and years, at least four decades, I would say. Anyways, we had Gary Vitti in, was one of the best trainers. He was able to manage all these different types of injuries. I remember one year Kobe had 19 different injuries and only missed like a handful of games because Gary Vitti was just like a master at patching up players. But we had a great athletic trainer. We never had injuries as an issue. He leaves. The Lakers have had a horrible injury record since. I don't think it's much different from Chelsea. I'm not saying Eva Carniero was, you know, heaven sent, you know, master, doctor, whatever. But certainly there has to be something behind a whole medical staff leaving and a new one coming in. And then all of a sudden we're starting to see the injury bug bite a little bit more than it used to. Yeah, but, but she came – she left three seasons ago. I mean, we've had two other managers, and we were we never had this level of injury. So, like – Conte got lucky his first season. We hardly had – he played he played Marcus Alonso every single match, and he never right, – He was playing one game a week. He was playing one game a week, two at most sometimes. But then the second season, he, he still didn't face that sort of thing. Like, Mo, Conte, the guys – again, the guys that we've been talking about that are hurt today – those guys were playing plenty then, and that's why I, I don't think it has to do with the, the PT or or the medical staff. That's why I think it goes back to the fact that under Conte and Sari, there was just this very important core of players, and that was it. Like There was no periphery, and it might be the fact that our transfer business was god-awful during that time that you look at the bench and you're like, no, hell no, I'm going to stick to these guys. And then now their bodies are paying for it. Like We had a World Cup, a Confederations Cup. This is probably the first summer. I take it back. We just had another World Cup. Yeah, yeah. This is probably the first summer just now where the players got some break. Well, like even you look at a player like Pulisic, not that he's picked up an injury, but he had like what? Between the uh, the Gold Cup ending and... He went straight. No, he went straight from the Gold Cup. He took yeah, he um, like he took yeah. a week and a half off between the end of Dortmund season and he the cut Gold his Cup. summer short even. Yeah, and like and I'm sure now I've looked at, like I just know him personally like from obviously following the U.S. men's national team, but like I'm sure that there are a ton of other players that had 
similar situations that basically from the end of last season to the beginning of this one, uh, especially if they're playing with their national team, they probably had, you know, a couple weeks maybe off uh, of vacation right. where they weren't, you know, training. Like, it's just insane how much the, the players have to play now. The demand is is crazy. Yeah, so uh, I want to move on to the next thing now. I think we've, we've kind of talked about the injuries plenty, but uh, at Dylan Lee 4 asks, what do you guys think on Deschamps and Martinez's comments about Bashuai and Giroud needing more game time? So both managers this past week have called out the club for essentially playing Tammy Abraham over each of their respective strikers. Um, to- <laughs> That's what I, have to say. <laughs> I mean, yeah, first things first, like who cares what they think? They yeah. don't pay these players salaries. They get to just come once in a while and be like, all right, I'll take these guys. And the, the fact is that the way France plays is totally different than the way Chelsea plays. And Giroud mm. is kind of like a, Target man slash false he's a nine for France. Team, man. Yeah. yeah. He does this role where he's not a forward. Like Giroud is probably the most creative player on that team because he's always setting up everyone around him. Like we're not, we don't ask our forwards to do that. We are now playing a counter pressing high energy style, which is why he's not getting as many minutes because let's be real, Giroud is not the quickest or the most mobile guy right now. So I just I just think that that kind of comparison is just not like for like. I it's think, just not our job yeah. to play them. <laughs> like, yeah. it, you know, our job, like Chelsea's job is to win games. Um, and, I mean, more or less, you know, we've been doing that. And, uh, and I mean, Mishi as of late has gotten some time. Uh but I mean, Tammy's the co-leader in goals. Like, why, why would you take him out? Or why would you, you know, like, why would you replace him with Michi or, or have Michi cut into his time when he's playing so well? Like, it's just them defending their players. Like, that's that's really all it's coming down to is them defending their players. Yeah, and all I have to say about that is, how can you not start Tammy? He's yeah, scored almost a goal a game. He scores in almost every game he's he plays. So you know, oh, and, and if he doesn't score one week, he'll just score two the next. Like, how do you not play that guy in every single game, <laughs> especially at his age? And it, I don't even know why I'm trying to prove my point. How do you not yeah. play him? It, it's simple, and and you guys can think of it as a Texas thing. But if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like simple as that. We're yeah. scoring goals with Tammy, but. Not at not Willie B had a different perspective, and his is more about experience and being proven. And he's just trying to understand why in matches where that sort of experience could be key, such as Champions League matches, we're still not using Giroud. Again, it it, it goes back to just form, right? The fact that we have a young striker, and if he's on fire, you you kind of ride the hot hand, right? It's not anything personal, is it? No. I think most Chelsea fans like Giroud, so it wouldn't be that. And I don't think, like, Giroud's not a controversial personality, so I don't think yeah. that, like, I don't think it would be that with Frank either. My my other thought process is that, l- let's face it, I don't think Giroud has an extension anywhere in Chelsea's plans, and it's not a dig at him or his quality. It's just the fact that we're going in a different direction as a club altogether. And they're 
there might just be instructions from the top. Like, hey, if unless Mishi and Tammy are playing poorly, that should be the order of usage. Giroud should be third in line. Well, and that's kind of how it always is. Like, with any sport, uh, you if if the players are of equal caliber, you're going to want to play the younger player. Like, so even if you think that Mishi and Giroud are completely equal in every way, you're going to give Mishi the edge in playing time because, like you said, he has, like, He's 26. Like he has a possible extension. Like he just there's he has more. He has a future with the team where like Giroud probably doesn't. Or even if he doesn't, he's got more value in general. Right. Like he is exactly. worth more capital than Giroud is. Giroud is walking exactly. on a free and probably going to Montreal or Miami. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that I'd love to see him in Miami personally. Please come to LAFC. Oh yeah. my God, we no, need to so Giroud is gonna be announced <laughs> in a freaking short, short swimsuit, sipping on some drink. Oh God! In Miami FC colors, some Miami Vice, open Hawaiian. Listen, like, Giroud is there to sell <laughs> female tickets, man. Oh, because he is incredibly good looking. So that oh, would be, I can totally dropper. see him doing that. You oh, got you got David Beckham as the owner. You bring oh, yeah. in someone like Andrea Pirlo as your manager, and oh. then you put in Giroud. Oh man, that is going to be like eighty <laughs> percent female attendance. Yeah, their their ticket sales are going to be through the roof. The one stadium in Miami that'll sell out will be Miami. Yeah, the, only, the only one in the entire state of Florida. Oh my god, yeah, that would be incredible. Oh man, but in in less in lesser funny news uh, today. The Bulgarian uh, national team faced off against England, and sadly, racism was the headline, not the fact that England thrashed them 6-0 after an unconvincing match earlier this weekend. So Dylan Lee says, rep ultras greater than Bulgarian ultras to make light (laughs) of the situation. But, I mean... It's the best. That shit's so funny. (laughs) What do you guys make of this situation? Like, honestly, like 2019 and we're getting monkey chants, Nazi symbolism. There's like spoof shirts that say no respect instead of respect with like the FIFA logo or UEFA logo next to it. Like what does UEFA specifically need to do? Because, you know, even here in the U.S., we don't have those sort of level of like open displays of racism this is like strictly a european issue it feels like in terms of the footballing world like at this point what is wayfa going to do like what do you guys think would be the right move like if the moment that monkey noises are heard over like the the audio of a recorded match like what should be the the proceeding matches played behind closed doors all your matches played behind closed doors that no, i mean they won't lose just, tv money they yeah. can still they could still air it on tv yeah, yeah it's just it's gotten to the point now and i like what what was really like disheartening about it was on twitter raheem sterling's response was like uh it was almost like just so sick of talking about it like someone because he's gotten so much of it whether it's from yeah, the press from fan i mean it's insane and it like even from him it's it, like he is to the point of like exhaustion. It seems mm-hmm. like talking about it. Like th- this yeah. is a joke, and like Italy, the FA has done absolutely nothing, uh, and they've had a ton of issues. 
So I mean, like you said, like the, UEFA the Italian FA is a joke. It's a, yeah, it's an absolute joke. So yeah. like, and like I saw a report that like Popov, the manager or the the captain of Bulgaria, uh, talked to supporters at halftime. Um, I don't didn't see if there was a report on like what he said, but obviously stuff continued after half. Oh, um, not just that. The manager said that he heard nothing. It's like what? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is a joke, especially Bulgaria. Bulgaria should be punished. I mean, oh, yeah. unreal. I, I think that the that the the whole playing behind closed doors needs to happen post-facto, right? Like, that's the punishment yeah. after the fact. But the punishment in the moment should just be a, a forfeited match. The, the mm-hmm. team, the away team gets the victory. And for the rest of the calendar FIFA year, you don't get any tickets allocated to the national team of X country that showed racism because if you just try to find those three guys that did the chance, like that's not going to happen anymore. These guys were all putting their hoods on and hiding their face. They know there's cameras around. So then like, how do you find out who was who, if they've been hiding their face the whole game whilst abusing players and staff, like Tyrone Mings had his national team debut ruined by the fact that he had to answer questions and deal with racism like jesus christ guys like yeah no and i i I guess something that's interesting for me is that you know you look at american sports that shit would never fly you know oh my god no somebody somebody sends out something and we were talking about daryl morey the owner of the houston rockets like right before we went on it right so like or or gm so guy sends out one tweet and look at the look what happens. Look at the fallout. Look at the mm-hmm. media. Look, look at the media backlash and 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 just it creates this whole shitstorm. But it creates like it, it also creates a, a conversation that society in America especially has all the time. Where like we qu- we question these things openly, right? We we tackle the issue of racism head on here. And you look at the impact of athletes like LeBron James and, um, you know, you think Muhammad Ali in his time, even in the 60s, the, the impact he was able to make in terms of racial issues. You don't see any of that in 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 Europe. And, and, and I'm not I'm not like stigmatizing or, or, or bashing European culture, but I just think it's an interesting conversation because – you know, we also have the upside of, uh, you know, the the people that are running our sports leagues here are not as corrupt as some of the people in Europe. And I feel like a lot of the people in Europe have been there for so long that it's, they're never going to get usurped from their position, right? But here in the U.S., you got, like, Adam Silver of the NBA. He might be the best commissioner in sports, period. You know, like, just in terms of what he's willing to tackle and what he's willing to risk in order to say, no, fuck this. This isn't okay. It has to stop or else. And you just yeah. don't see that anywhere else. We're talking about the Italian FA. Look at them. How many times are Cagliari fans are going to be racist to, to, to right. every single black player that steps on the field? Like it, it's just, it's so ridiculous. Well, and like you were saying too, uh, I mean, a perfect example of, of racism not being tolerated in the NBA was Donald Sterling. Donald Sterling yeah. got caught, you know, the, the recordings of him just being incredibly racist and then tons of other accounts of him just being unbelievably racist. And the NBA told him, you got to sell the team. Like, yeah. <laughs> not even a question, sell the team. Um, yeah, and that was the NBA being nice. Yeah, like, <laughs> you never see that. And I mean, I mean, look, like the... 
I mean, like teams. I mean, teams in the in the prem are owned by, you know, huge. The people they're owned by are scummy. Like, I mean, our owners not even allowed in in the UK. Um, like, it's just. I think it's it's so, it's so so about money. Like, so that the ownership thing, you want to put like to me, you'd want to put it on the owners to like police this problem themselves. Like, ideally, that would be it because it should be them doing everything in their power to make sure that that, that shit doesn't fly in their stadiums. Uh, yeah. to, National team to, games are different, though. To defend Roman Abramovich, who might be a sleazy businessman <laughs> outside, <laughs> he does have a bunch of anti-Semitic like, things that he does do. With oh, yeah. He's also Jewish, too. So, like, yeah. you know, that's obviously something that's, like, personal to him. Right, right. Under- but, yeah. I mean, he is trying to, like, change the narrative and, yeah. and Chelsea yeah, goes yeah. to Auschwitz and they do all these other things. Like they have these campaigns, but they do a lot of great stuff with, you know, like the whole anti, anti-Semitism thing. Like we've tackled yeah. that pretty openly, but the, 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 how many other clubs have done something like that? Though? Right. And again, it, it needs to go above the clubs because a club has like 13 nationalities within a team mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, squad and, and yeah. uh, back backroom staff and even just like pitch management like at the end of the day that that's already a melting pot but but it's when it's like a culture as a whole like these these countries and fa's like the world cup is supposed to be this unifying tournament and we're supposed to be talking about cultural diversity but everything leading up to it like these english players knew ahead of ahead of time oh we're going to bulgaria we're going to get races yeah. abuse like tammy exactly. abraham said this like a day or two ago like if i get you know racial abuse the team agreed that we would decide on that moment if we walk out like that's what happened like that's what should happen yeah i mean that i'm, I'm just saying like these are things that, are, yeah. have, that have to be discussed pre-match instead of tactics and that's just bullshit well but, i would yeah I would go ahead. like a team to walk out i think that i know that it's obviously a giant risk because you lose points but like right now you're not like the FA's or like UEFA's hand in this case is not being pushed. Like they they don't necessarily have to do anything. But if England said no, fuck this, and walked off the pitch, then you know they'd technically be forfeiting. But the public outcry would be, you know, well <laughs> they were getting monkey chance. Like why the fuck would they sit there and and Take be it. okay with this? So I think I mean. I would love for a team to do that. I don't expect them to do that. They shouldn't have to do that. But, I mean, it would certainly be interesting if if a team did do that. Yeah. But um, we'll go on to the next question, and it's about our very own Ross Barkley, who must have a doppelganger when he plays for the Three Lions because, once again, Ross Barkley was Ross the boss for England today. He had... If I'm not mistaken, two goals and an assist. So Ron asks, what is the enigma that is England Ross versus Chelsea Ross? What the actual hell, guys? Two weeks ago or three weeks ago when Bobby was last on this podcast, I tore this man to shreds. And here he is just bawling out of his mind again. And sadly, with all these injuries, it means he's probably going to start the next couple games for Chelsea. So please, somebody tell me how we get this man to do the same thing when wearing a blue kit. Play against bad teams. 
<laughs> yeah, how about that for starters? Yeah, uh, I would I would probably bang in a goal every now and then against San Marino too. Like, <laughs> no, but it, it, I'm just kind of tired talking about him because I think we've all come to the conclusion that Ross Barkley is more what could have been than what is going to be. You know, yeah. like he he doesn't have a lot of upside anymore. He's 26. He is who he is. He's not a bad player by any stretch. He's a you know he's serviceable, but he needs a change of scenery. Like I think if he gets a move to like one of the sort of big six contender clubs, the if he can get a move to you know like <laughs> a Liver, uh, uh, Liverpool to like a Leicester <laughs> or an Everton, Everton, yeah, go back to Everton. But the problem is Everton's gonna be like, wait, we sold him for fifteen, and now he's actually worth that much, so we won't pay more than fifteen million. <laughs> So I would rather they sell him might somewhere get else. Maybe we could get more. Yeah, I don't know what the hell is going on over there, but I'm just over talking about it because he is who he is, guys. Like this is but, this. But this at is what it. point? At what point does Frank realize that? Like, I something about Ross Barkley in a Chelsea blue jersey just doesn't click. Like, he played well for England against Bulgaria, but like, at what point is it going to translate Frank, to Chelsea? Now coming back from the international break, where. You don't, you know, we don't play Ross Barkley in our starting eleven because I can almost assure you he will be in that starting eleven against Newcastle. He's gonna keep playing because Frank has nothing to lose right now. So mm-hmm. you know, there uh, Ross Barkley's not dead in the water. He could turn it around and put together two or three games where he gives us something better than a six. You know what I mean? So. You know, he has nothing to lose. This season, he has a free pass. So why not keep playing the guy? If he eventually gets it together, great. If not, hey, we bought him for $15 million. Maybe we can sell him for 30 And, you know, we'll be up $15 million. And now we have that money to reinvest in the squad. I don't know. I just don't think he has anything to lose by playing Ross Barkley. Just like he has nothing to lose by playing Alonzo even when Emerson comes back. You know, or playing Willian over, you know, someone else because, you know, these this season he has a free pass to do so. Yeah, it's just a lot of injuries too, like we yeah. were talking about earlier. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, just that's why Ross Barkley is gonna play is we gotta yeah. keep people healthy. We gotta bring Ampadu back, man. Yeah, that's what that's... we gotta do. He didn't he get a knock too though? Yeah, he, go he, got yeah he got knocked he got out. whacked in the <laughs> yeah. head. Jesus. That was rough to watch. That yeah. that was a very physical game. That was the mm-hmm. second guy that got whacked in the head by one of the Croat- Croatian players, right? It was yeah. a Croatia's Be- nuts, Be- dude. Or something yeah. like they beat that. the hell out of teams, minus Dejan Lovren. They beat the hell out of teams. Yeah, Lo- Lovren should have been called for a PK too. But anyway, that's totally different. Um, Lovren shit of- defending from him. What? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of getting healthy, at Envard says right now, I think all we need is to get a hundred percent healthy. And if you said I had 200 million euro and had to spend it, Sancho, fancy a shot to make a boyhood dream come true. Other than that, maybe it's a pipe dream, but David Oliva would be good too. But I'm happy with this young all England squad we got. So guys, that's what everybody's saying now. We have the hazard money. Morata's money comes in next summer. Who knows if we'll finally get money for Bakayoko. The point is money's coming in. And the way the squad is starting to look, we don't have to just buy everywhere. We can kind of pick and choose who we get. So is the biggest money going to go to someone like Sancho? Like, who do we think is going to be that marquee signing 
for Chelsea next season? Ooh, see, I hate the Neymar rumors. I love these ones, but are we really? Do we really need to? Is that really a focal point in the squad that we absolutely have to strengthen next summer? I agree with you. I I know I've had I went back and forth with uh, somebody on Twitter about this, and like we have so many holes in the defense that we need to fill. We have had I, like Reese James is great. I would love to go get another fullback. Mm-hmm. Like they're just I I really would like us to focus on getting a world class defender and spending a lot of money on like Kulabali or just somebody else. And like you said, we we just we have what uh, an eighteen year old winger, a twenty one year old winger. Like Mason Mount has been playing on the wings out of necessity. Um, Looked good I there just, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like so, why why go spend? 200 million and get into this the, the bidding war for Sancho is going to be nuts and like why spend so much money on a position when we I just feel like like you said we just could go spend that money elsewhere and like create depth and and maybe make a marquee signing elsewhere I don't know I'm I'm split on this though I could be swayed the other way because I think his play style would fit in really well with Chelsea yeah. so I like like I think it would work well but I don't know. I think the money could be spent better elsewhere. Yeah, I agree. I th- I think we need to go after a very well-established left back. Yep. Someone someone ready-made, someone that could jump right into the squad and just be a leader. I, I, I think I think that's paramount. Yep. Right. If there is a guy out there, kind of like how City got Joao Cancelo, who can play both sides. How did they pull that off? Yeah. I mean, he hasn't started. He hasn't started off very well, but to, to be fair, he no, came in and and he's nuts. He's I mean, such a good he's, player. He's going to be great, right? And yeah. to to me, I think and listen to how I've kind of like thought this whole thing up. So right now, we have four center backs in our team. We've got Rudiger, Christensen, Tomori, and Zuma. Mm-hmm. To me, we can't buy another center back without selling one of those guys. And I honestly think that we can get some good value for Zuma. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that. Zuma would be the guy that I would sell out of the four because he has Premier League experience. He's done well for those mid to lower table side teams. And at this point in his uh, career, he no longer counts as an under 20-something player. Therefore, he counts as an international player. And I'd rather have a world-class world beater like Koulibaly or... Roe Magnoli or something like that coming in and taking one of those slots up because he would be a starter. I disagree. I, you're blocking the pathway for Tomori at that point. Are you, though? Because and what Christensen. Tomori, because you're not but, dropping Rudiger. Okay. So but then you we don't split. know that, though. Rudiger still hasn't played for us yeah, yet. Yeah, Rudiger just Tomori's, isn't healthy enough. Tomori's only getting better, and he's got Frank's trust entirely. So, like, at this point, I'm thinking we really don't know, and – Okay, so yeah, one of Tomori, Christensen, and Rudiger won't play every single week. But most center backs don't get to their max potential until like 29 years old. We don't, we still haven't gotten a full view of Rudiger in a back four where he's the leader yet because he's been injured. Christensen and Tomori are not the finished product yet. They're still getting better, they're still filling into their bodies, etc. But if we have 200 million, like, are we really going to pass up on a guy that can start with one of those three guys? Because, again, as much as we love Rudiger, 
we can get better at that position. But we don't – that's – yeah, yeah, of course we can get better at that position. But there's other players that need the playing time more than more than anything right now. Like I look at Christensen. I've been pretty critical of him all season. Like I don't think he's been poor, but I just don't think he's developed as quickly as Chelsea fans would have liked. But that's a guy who's, what, 24 now? He needs as much playing time as possible. You look at a guy like Rudiger. He's 26. As much playing time as possible. Now you got Kyle Tomori coming through. That just kind of complicates things a little bit more. But you, we have so much depth at center back. We have no depth at left back. Marcus Alonso is playing out of position. Emerson, he's good, but I don't think he's a long-term solution at left back. I still think we need to strengthen there. Right back, we got Reese James coming through, so we're fine. I think our midfield is, is young, especially with Ampadu coming back. And Connor Gallagher looks incredible. Billy Gilmore. I mean, we're pretty much set everywhere else on the pitch. I think one world-class left back, someone ready-made, someone that's an international. I don't even care if they're older. I don't care if they're 29 or 30 just to bring like a quick stopgap player just to kind of bolster our squad a little bit. That's that's paramount right now. I, 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 I just, just don't, don't think, think that exists in the market right now. Like that's my thing. Like if right now we're we're for sure we can agree that we're going to get at least a Europa League spot next season, right? Like that's kind of pokey. Yeah, yeah. Nice that'd be disappointing like, at this yeah. point. Yeah. So yeah. let's say worst case scenario, we get Europa League. That's still four competitions. Like, and it's Chelsea. Like, yes, Frank Lampard. No matter how the season ends, it's going to get a pass, whether it's a great one or a no one. But next season, you better believe that. The expectations are going right back up to where they used to be, and trophies are going to be required. Like, mm-hmm. I think we can get someone like Chilwell for 50, 60 million at left back. English, so we can add to the ability to get an international player. You maybe ship out Alonso, and you have Emerson and Chilwell competing, both young guys competing to get that starting spot, competing also to earn their starting job for their countries at left back. And then you go all out on a world class and i mean like we go for like when we got ricardo carvalho like a guy that is in the top five center backs in the world not like i don't know it's not gonna happen but why not the question is why not it's not gonna happen romagnoli will go to juve koulibaly's never leaving napoli i just i just i don't know i don't i just don't think there's this left back that is what you're asking for like who is out there that for one wants to leave where they are Okay, and, maybe maybe there's not a world class name, but there's definitely potential world class players. The first yeah. one that comes to mind, maybe Nico Schultz. I mean, he I know just he just signed. moved. The, he just got I, moved, though. I know, I know he just got his move. But I mean, if we're going to be in the market next summer, that's if we throw out enough money, Dortmund will sell. They're uh, fine. What about maybe, what about Ashraf Hakimi? He could also play at a left back. Yeah. I know, I know, it's two players from the same team, but he, I those are like two potentially world class players right there. Hakimi can play both sides, so I'm cool with that signing. But even yeah. he won't cost us more than $60 million. So I think that uh, I like the idea of signing like a world-class left back. I think Chilwell is a good shout for like the obvious reasons if he's English. Um, but I think that we could go after like a world-class left back. But I I think that like what you were saying about Hakimi being versatile, I think a guy like Yusuf Atal or – I mean the, the, I'm biased because I'm American, but – I mean, maybe he plays for America. Hopefully, he does. Oh, uh, I know Sergino what you're going to say. Yes. I want to, and I saw today that that Barcelona is looking at him. Like he is a guy Dude, we're playing against him in the nuts. Champions League. We have plenty of teams starting for Ajax at 18 years old. 
he can play if he plays for the US men's national team, I could see him playing winger because Dude, he's he, arguably he even, the most skillful player the in six. the entire squad. Yeah. And it's so crazy. So he would be a guy you bring in a world class left back, then you bring in a guy because I think him and Atal are very similar players. So you bring in one of those two guys to to spell for Reese James. Or there are games where we might want to play Reese James in the midfield, and then you play Atal or Dest at right back. Like that, just one of those guys, like a good utility player that can play like four four or five different positions. Uh, yeah, I is mean, just speak- so valuable. I, I, I do like Tagliafico a lot too, even mm-hmm. though Arsenal's been linked with him, but I actually think he's actually class. Yes. Maybe maybe a guy like that could come in and, and, and be, you know, the guy for us. It, my point being, we just have so much potential at center back, and the only way to find out if they're going to be a success at Chelsea or not is to play them. Like, we can't be loaning them out anymore. We can't be having them learn under the tutelage of somebody, especially Christensen, because I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about him, but he needs to get playing time more than Tamori does at this point. You know, the, the guy's 24. I get that. I get that. I just think that, like, if we don't bring someone else, then we go back to just that stale, like, we, ha- we have to push what we require this team to be to, to move to the next level again, right? And... And yes, like these guys need to play, but at the all at the same time they need to feel pressure from somewhere else. Like Okay. I think I think we're I think we're addressing the wrong question here. I think the real question is out of the guys I just mentioned, could one of those guys potentially be the world class player? That way we don't have to go out and mark. I think Christensen is now gonna be a good rotation player for Chelsea. As much as I love Christensen, like Tomori has already passed him, and Christensen has been struggling with confidence issues has that Tomori I don't think. In in Frank's I, eyes, I think so. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I'm talking, I'm I'm talking just raw potential because Frank's not going to be Chelsea manager the next ten years. It's so just not I the think, way things work. I think that the thing that we're looking at, so the of the of the four guys we've mentioned, Zuma, Tomori, Rudiger, and Christensen, uh, if we didn't get rid of anybody, kept everybody, didn't buy anybody, are five years from now or three years from now, who would be our ideal pairing? It would probably be Rudiger and Tamori. I don't think it would be Rudiger and Christensen. I think it would end up being Rudiger and Tamori. And so... Tamori has the English thing going for him too. Right. But I I also think that the, the situation we're in, and it's kind of nice that we have a lot of time to think about it, is... We have to play him the whole season. <laughs> like we don't really have any other options. Right. So we're gonna know at the end of the year. Because yeah. another thing is, like before the season started, I was like, "Oh yeah, let's go out and spend 150 million on a striker." Because I wasn't sure about Tammy, and like now Tammy is absolutely lighting it up. So I've totally backed off of that. Um, right. So maybe, maybe you know, around February or March, Tamori is lighting the world on fire and looks fantastic, and we're like, "Whoa." Maybe we don't need to go spend a lot of money on a center back. Like that could change. There could be a lot of things that change could. between now and May. And one thing that I definitely just forgot to mention earlier because we jumped on the defense kind of topic. In terms of Sancho, like, all right, it, realistically speaking, all the rumors flying around that Barcelona and Juve are going to come in on a free for Willian. I think there's some substance to that because both teams, for one, Barcelona has been linked with Willian forever. As, yeah. and, and there has to be. If, where there's smoke, there's fire, right? Like by now, there those there has to be some truth behind that. And then in terms of Juve, they love a free transfer, like they just do. And I could totally see 
Yeah. I could totally see William thriving in Syria, uh, kind of like how Juan Cuadrado is like 10 times the player when he It'll touches play. Italian soil. Yeah. So uh, for me, like, again, going back to, I guess in my head, I'm thinking of that Chelsea side that should have won a Champions League at one point where we had people like Balak and Joe Cole fighting for minutes. Like that only happens when you strengthen the team with world-class co- potential. So if next season we lose out on both Pedro and William walking away, and let's say that by now Mount has solidified, let's say we're, we're running a 4-2-3-1 now. That means that Mount is in the middle with Loftus-Cheek splitting time. And then we only have uh, Cho and Pulisic. Why not add Sancho to the equation? Like, yeah. We, um, we we aren't sticking to a 4-3-3. I mean, Frank has played a 3-4-3. We've done the 4-2-3-1. Sancho, I mean, let's be real. He signed that contract with, with Dortmund because he knows he's going back to England. Like, I, I really don't think there's any other options. And I doubt he goes back to City just because of the way he left. So if we're being honest, we're probably one of the – three teams he might consider. I think that United and Chelsea are probably the two teams that can afford him and you consider going to. So I I don't think that it's gotten to a point where this rumor is actually got any substance because I know that it's more like, Oh, he's friends with Tammy and Oh, he's friends with Cho. But I mean that I could see us trying for something like that. I do worry about Pulisic getting PTSD. If we sign him, I agree. Totally. That's the that's the only thing. Not he'll, that, he'll like, be out in two seconds. Yeah, and it's like that's that's what would be tough. Is like, I think that he's a strong personality, or like not strong in the sense of like outspoken, but strong in the sense of uh, like determined. Uh, like he's just he's not gonna like back down from a challenge, but like he left Dortmund kind of on like a uh, not a bad note. They you know obviously like it was amicable, but. But it just left after not really playing and being replaced by this generational talent, like a very good player. Um, and like <laughs> then he plays one season that has so far been kind of tough. Um, and then they bring in the guy that replaced him at Dortmund. Like that would that would be hard. He still would get plenty of playing time, like you said. If we if we lost William and Pedro, there's only three guys rotating for two spots. Um, he'd play plenty, but it just I don't know what that would do to his psyche. Yeah, uh, I honestly think that right now there is no real depth behind the Sancho rumors outside of the fact that he's friends with all of our players. Yeah, I think him. in terms of the rumor mill, I think the one name that has substance is Ben Chilwell, and that's because left back is definitely a position that we need to strengthen. I wouldn't, Best, I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't be mad, but I'm going to be honest. It's not the type of signing that is going to blow me out of my seat and be like, wow, this is going to take our yeah, it's defense not sexy. to the next level. It's yeah, definitely it's not, not. But it's solid. It's like I, the way I see Ben Chilwell, I think like what is his like potential compared to? I think that he could be like a Robertson. Like He's 22. I mean, Rob- we have him for a while too. Yeah, nice. and, and like Robertson yeah, is yeah. sexy left back, but Robertson gets you eight, nine assists. So like yeah. – that's the way I kind of see Chilwell, where he's like an actual all-around left back. Like, he'll do the work both forward and backwards. He's not lightning fast. He doesn't do scissors three times and beats four players. But he gets, <laughs> I'd rather, he I'd gets rather... the overlapping run. And again, we want Cho and Pulisic and those guys to be doing the scissors and the dribbling and whatnot. We just want a guy that does the hard work to open up space for them. Yeah. That's why I kind of, I'm cool with a Ben Chilwell left back 
signing if that's a thing. Yeah. It's just Plus, a long season. Yeah. Yeah. Jovic kind of came out of nowhere last year. There could be a guy like him, you know? like. Oh, yeah. There's still a lot of season left. I mean, yeah, we, we, like, we don't know about anybody. And I barely dipped yeah. into the transfer market in FIFA, too. So, like, yeah. wait, <laughs> wait until I get some knowledge. Your scouting <laughs> Are, are My scouting right? reports are going to be insane. I'm well, just thinking that, like Jovic and uh, Jovic and what's his face, uh, Portuguese Atletico Madrid. Oh, like Felix. Yeah. yeah, he like both of them. Obviously, people knew about them, but they, I mean, last season just absolutely uh, caught on fire and like. And, and one of them has kept his form, and the other one can't get minutes. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, dude, the Jovic one is confusing. Benzema's just. Benzema very... has six goals right now. So Benzema's an enigma too. Like we talked yes. about Ross Barkley being an enigma. You think he's done, and then he it comes back. It yeah, is you, one uh, of those. You things, forget right? how good he is. Yeah. It, like he, he'll suck, or he'll be injured for like four months, and then you'll see him, and you're like, wow, he has nine goals in the last eleven matches. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then he releases some lit IG video. <laughs> oh my god, his social media game is wild. But yeah, yeah. Um, let's let's move on to the final question. This one's from another guest of the pod. It's Jad, and he says, with current form and the upcoming easier schedule, what do you think the odds of top four are, and have the expectations for this season altered? Uh, Bobby, oh, we'll start with you. Yeah, uh, to the altered part, certainly. Um, I was content with us. So my expectations coming into the season were. I just want us to have an identity. I want the young players to play and for us to just get better as the season goes on. If we finish 10th, if we finish 8th and and get better as the season goes on, I'd consider that a, a success. I thought that was kind of where it was headed. I thought that the ceiling was 5 or 6. Um, now I'm looking at Arsenal stinks. Um, Man U is a dumpster fire. And we're competing... Like, what what is isn't uh, like West Ham like fourth right now? I don't They're know the table eighth. off the top of my head. Lester, oh, Leicester's fourth. Leicester's fourth, yeah. yeah. Leicester, okay. Like Leicester's actually really fucking good this year. They are. Their midfield's awesome. Yeah, Their midfield's awesome. Just um, wait till their midweek midweeks yeah. pick up. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're gonna dip so, eventually. So I think that to that it has changed because I think that I was kind of worried about other teams improving and I don't know that they really improved. And I think that we're a lot better than I mean we're a lot better than I thought we were going to be this year because all the players with potential have been showing that potential, not like and not in like spurts either. It's been kind of consistent, which is wild with young players to have any kind of consistency. Um, so yeah, I think that I think that uh, I think odds like if I had to put like a percentage on it of top four, I'm gonna say like. Like forty percent positive of top four. Like it just yeah. it seems ridiculous because it would be like like that 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 consistency over you know the whole length of the season and injuries and stuff. But I mean, like it could be higher. I don't know. I I'm optimistic though. I'm I guess cautiously optimistic that we could finish top four would be the best way to put it. Hmm. This is this is tough, guys. I I. I I'm on Bobby's side. I think it's I think it's around like thirty to forty percent chance that we'll finish in the top four. Because okay, let's kind of humble ourselves for a second. We are a young team. Mm-hmm. 
there are going to be more injuries, especially with the way it's been going. There's <laughs> going to be more dropped points. There's going to be another Sheffield. There's going to be, you know, you, you catch my drift here. Like, we're going to fuck up again. And I yep. think, and you know, like, th- there was this conversation with, with Solstar last year where he won six games on the spin and got the job. And since he got the job, he's been shit. Like, he's never been a good manager. But there was this, you know, whole aura around him just winning. And I think I'm scared the same thing's happening to Frank. I think Frank's a, I, I actually think Frank's a manager. That's the difference between him and Solstar. I actually think Frank can coach players and can manage football matches. But the real test of this team and how good they are is going to be the first time we really run into a wall where we drop a game or two on the spin, maybe a tough loss at home, uh, you know, conceding a 90th minute penalty. Something's going to happen this season where we're going to dip. It happens to every single team. The way we respond to that is going to tell, you know, where we finish up in the league. So it just depends when that dip is for me. But if it happens sometime around December, January, I mean, you can – you can drop nine out of 12 points real quick. So if we have a dip sometime around there, I don't think the top four is going to be. All right, guys, I'm going to go 40%, Bobby. Fuck it. (laughs) I'm kind of on your side because I don't know what's going to happen with Tottenham. We don't know what's going to, I mean, Tottenham will be fine because they have decent players. We'll see, though. It feels like their their team has just, like, said, screw this. Like, I don't know what's going on there. Something's up at Tottenham. They're, like, yeah. outperforming expected goals. Like, it just doesn't look smooth. I I just – I am shocked by the way things are going for them. Arsenal, we said they're awful, but they're somehow scratching away results. They're obviously somehow finding the back of the net, even with Pepe yeah. total flop. But, I mean, in terms of our next couple games, I mean, we have Newcastle at home, Burnley away. Uh, and I'm going strictly Premier League here. Uh, yeah. Midweek between those, we have Ajax and then United. But then we have Watford away and then Crystal Palace at home before we get City away. So if we can get those points, if we can go into City undefeated, like I think by then we'll have a better idea of what the table looks like. And then yeah. it's when it gets tough for us. We have City away, then West Ham at home. Like th- then... Aston Villa at home and then Everton away. Like I know those games sound easy, but those are trap games, right? Aston Villa, the promoted side. We already saw that with Sheffield and then Everton, who of course is in awful form will somehow have a magical day against us. And we're going to probably have a tough game there too. So for me, I think that once we get to probably right before the winner really picks up, is when we'll really know what this team is made of. You know, the mistakes here and what is our true potential when the ball gets rolling. Like, that's when we'll see our real level because at that point we'll be playing two games a week consistently. What's the depth looks like? Uh, looks like uh, what? Where are certain players going to go? Like, is Rudiger going to come back and be ready? Is Loftus-Cheek going to play in the 4-3-3? Three, three, are we going to use him as a number 10? Like, there's still some questions that are going to need answering for the better, I think. But... Yeah, I think 40% is a good shout for top four. I still don't think we require a trophy this season. But, no. yeah, I think I think we'll stumble into the top four much like we did last year, where uh, to our benefit, a lot of our opponents are going to help us out. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think so. Because, well, think- again, third and fourth place are going to be – there's going to be a huge canyon between second and third. Like, we, we, I think we can for sure scratch off any chance of breaking into the top two, right? Like, it's Liverpool City in some order, then a huge gap, and then the rest of us. Yeah, and it's looking like Liverpool, too, because City, City struggled a little bit. Um, yeah. But I think that, like, also, by, like, this stretch of games, like you said, a lot of very winnable games, um, it'll show us a thing with consistency because with young players, I worried more about dropping, you know, like the Sheffields at the beginning of the season when players were getting used to playing in the Premier League, they're nervous, whatever, they're, they're a little inconsistent. If we're still hanging around by by the winter, I think that the consistency thing, in theory, should have sorted itself out. Because if we're inconsistent up to then, then obviously it's an issue. But young players, like theoretically, should get more consistent as as the season goes on. So as long as we can like avoid those a lot of a lot of those Sheffield games uh, in this like this stretch that we're going through right now, I think that top four gets increasingly uh the, the odds get increasingly better yeah I, I for me i think it's this definitely this bit and then how the team plays and i want to say like maybe february march because at that point you also have enough tape on a team to where those relegation teams at that point in the season they're gonna just park the bus and get mm-hmm. each point they need right so yeah. At that point, it's not so much about how what can Chelsea do and what's their level. It's more about what the opponent on the other side is going to try to do. Right now, it's early in the season. These sides are trying to get the three points. They're playing open football. They're like, let's try to get the points now and then kind of just ro- roll until the end of the season. But in reality, we know they're not going to be able to do that very long. Like Norwich beat City and they're in the relegation zone, right? So at one point or another, these managers for these relegation zone teams are going to start saying, no, we need to get each and every point one way or another. And seeing how we're the, I think, third best attack in the league, if I'm not mistaken, people are going to start putting 10 men back. So that's that's where we'll start getting tested again more so than the mistakes so yeah we'll get consistency but then it's can we break down these five back five men back lines yeah i don't know i still i i, I think i i think actually i'm gonna go 50 percent, guys <laughs> i'm going up i'm going <laughs> up talking, it. <laughs> i'm feeling i'm feeling confident about this now the more i'm thinking about it i just kind of forgot how much I have the Lakers preseason game here, so I'm kind of zoning out in and out. But I, I, I kind of forgot how much Man U and Tottenham suck. Yeah, they and, really stink. And you know they really suck when you're, you know, confident that Arsenal are going to be okay. <laughs> like that's when you know you really suck because yeah. I think Arsenal will be a top four team regardless. I just think they have too many goals in them. And there's too many teams in and around them dropping points for them not to finish in the top four. Like it's this year, it's really on them if they don't make it in the top four. But in the middle of the table's gotten so much stronger. I mean, you look at teams like Leicester, West Ham, Wolves. Like they've all yeah. made such big strides with like players they've bought and they've hit on all of their transfers. Like they're actually like those, good. Yeah, those games are not. You can't just like mark those. Like it used to be like top six and then like like big big drop and then seven and then but now it's kind of like eh, like anybody up to like nine or ten 
Like you can't just like write off as a win because you're more talented. Like you kind of have to, kind of have to play those games out. And like, like even like City could lose those games or like you know I think that Definitely. City and Liverpool are very good. But like, I mean, City lost to Norwich. That's bad. That's really really bad. And like, I just don't see I don't see Liverpool dropping those games this year either. I think they're gonna run away with the league. They're they're getting the help too, right? Like, yeah. let's be real. Liverpool is yeah. is winning so the pathetic. the nail biters. They're kicking butt too at the same time, winning by a crap ton. And then they're also getting help from the referees. Like, yeah, <laughs> the they had Tottenham threat, like. in the Champions League final, who was probably the most out of form team in, in Europe at the time. I mean, then you have this yeah. Premier bottom. League season where everybody just fucking sucks this year. Everyone's supposed to be so good, and they all suck so much. The only team that, like, we're we're exceeding expectations. Leicester's definitely exceeding. West Ham does it to an extent. Other than that, who's really exceeding expectations this year? Norwich oh. did for one game for five yeah. team Lukuki goals. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> there's there's really like you're gonna tell me Sheffield's overlapping wing backs have taken a Premier League or the uh, center backs center have backs. taken a Premier League by storm? Like, no, <laughs> no, the the Premier League sucks this year. The qual like the players are there, the managers are there, the teams are there. The quality of football has been pretty awful. Like, in general, have you watched a United game this season? No. My brother's a United fan. It was one of the most boring 45 minutes of football. It honestly felt like I was watching an International Champions Cup second half blowout. Oh, their the best is the their goal of the month was was uh was Rashford, Rashford penalty because it was the only one they scored. Like what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> like how do you do that? Why even drop a fucking video, guys? Come on, oh, Jesus. Shit. Honestly. You should not do a month or goal of the month. If anything, give it to your academy team or something. That was yeah. scrubbing out of memory. Scrub how many the whole sick month academy goals are like? How many? How many sick women's goals are goal of the month? Like, there's a there's a goal of the month for the women like every few months now. Like, yeah. there's so many teams at the club. Help yourself, You're United. Me that that Help academy. Yourself. Shit. Don't show a goal of the month. Put a save of the month of De Gea saving one of the thirty shots on targets he concedes. Like. It, I don't know. <laughs> I, it's. I just think like at one point or another, like teams start firing their managers, caretakers go back to the basics, and things get shuffled around. I don't think Pochettino will get the axe. I apparently Solskjaer is not getting the axe, according to certain reports saying that he's got like a two or three year plan that they're writing out. But oh God, people say yes. that until it gets even yeah, worse. Please right? leave him like, there. I mean. When we had Mourinho round two, that awful 15-16 season, um, like, I remember everyone always, like, Chelsea commenting, like, oh, we're backing Mourinho, Mourinho's our manager, blah, 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 until we hit the relegation zone. Like, when we jumped, like, fell to 17th, it was like, no, (laughs) this is it. I'm sure United, like, is considering that. Like, I, I, I don't see... Gunnar Solskjaer getting that far. Luckily, we played them in a few weeks in the Carabao Cup, so we'll get to just beat on them a little bit more. But, yeah, I overall, I do think the expectations have turned. I want to keep myself realistic, though, because I catch myself saying, oh, we could definitely get third place. But <laughs> the Premier League is the Premier League. Surprises happen. Maybe Arsenal finally starts clicking and Pepe bags a few goals or – you never know. Tottenham get their act together, and and Vertonghen and and Ericsson can be pals and share their wives or whatever is going on over there. 
But, yeah, I mean, the Premier League is crazy. I do think we have a realistic chance at top four. I think in my head we were going to get sixth before the season started. But I, I don't think that there needs to be a trophy this season. Uh, but I definitely think that next season, after what we've seen so far, one trophy is going to be my, my like, good good area to consider it a good season. Yeah, I don't know. I almost want to raise my percentage again. We gotta <laughs> we, we gotta wrap this up before I just say fuck it. We're gonna do it, guys. I'm, we're gonna win the league. Drinks on me. Yeah, we're gonna win every <laughs> game from here on out. Liverpool is gonna drop a few, and we're gonna win the fucking league. Jamie <laughs> Abraham's uh, gonna score thirty five goals. In in my career mode, he's on his way. He is <laughs> on his way, my friend. He's a thirty goal striker. I think I, I think right now he's on like eighteen, and I'm in March. Oh. So like if I could if I could put a run of games together, I might be I might be looking at thirty. Anyways, <laughs> that would be a miracle considering how hard it is to score a fucking headered cross. <laughs> but, but that's beside the point. Um, speaking of FIFA, uh, you know I mentioned Andres peer pressured me into recording this episode. And uh, and I gave in, and I said I didn't want to do it, and here we are talking an hour past our original plan time. But anyways, um, we're going to be releasing a, a FIFA episode. Is that right, Andres? Yeah, so... Uh, Spearheaded Psalm, by Andres, should I say. Psalm, Zach, and I have been in the group text talking about our FIFA manager modes, so we decided... We'll do a quick little episode talking about who has been a surprise for us in FIFA and have we changed kind of what Lampard has done with Chelsea to make it our own and just a little quick thing. I mean, it's international break. Everyone hates it. So we figured we'll add a little bit of content, some lighthearted stuff right before we get into the Newcastle review and get back to the Premier League this weekend. So stay tuned for a second pod this week and we're the Premier League's around the corner, guys. Chelsea football is almost back. You're almost there. I know these days are long and boring, but we'll have Chelsea this weekend. Sounds beautiful. Thank and basketball you. season's starting. Football season's at its peak. I mean, this is a what a time to be alive, guys. And one last thing, guys. If you're listening to this, tweet at Josh Hart. Because oh, yeah. we, we need to get this man on the podcast. I love how every Chelsea match he is watching, he is posting about it. We just, don't y'all agree? He's, he's really diehard, man. On. Yeah, we just need to get him to come on. Hopefully before the NBA starts, because I know he'll be a busy man, you know, trying to play and earn his contract. So, Josh Hart, I'm going to keep bugging you, man. He's established, man. He's such a good basketball player. I'm so, I was so sad when we traded player. him. Yeah, yeah, Bobby. He's if the you're best. listening, Josh Hart, you're the best player in the league. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but anyways. Uh, yeah, guys, stay tuned. We are going to be dropping another episode. Um, apologies if this one was a little too informal for you, but we just said, fuck it. We want to go off the top of the dome, and I want to be honest with you guys. I think this is one of our best episodes that we've ever made, so... I hope you guys enjoy and uh, stay tuned for an episode later this week. Until then, 
keep the blue flag flying high.